Last week we began a message about the importance of sharing our faith with other people, quite frankly. I mean, there's no other way to disguise it. There's nothing else you can say uh, about evangelism. Evangelism is what it is. It's taking who you are and sharing it with somebody else. You know, we talk about having an enemy that prowls the earth, and that's completely true. But the Bible also says this in Revelations 12, 11, we overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And what God has done in your lives, that's your testimony. And you know, we always want the 16 point plan of salvation. I got to know Romans 3.23 and I got to know Romans 6.26. I got to know Romans 10.8 and 10. I got to know this. Yeah, that's important, but your testimony is even way more important than knowing the plan of salvation. Because see, your testimony is what people relate to. That's who, you mean you had that? You know how many people say to me, you mean you used to be that way? And it's like, yes, I used to be that way. And the beauty of that testimony is, is that's not my testimony anymore. Amen. Amen? And so God creates new testimonies for us along the way. And, and last week we talked about how, you know, God is not slack concerning his purpose or his promises, as some count slackness. But he wants everyone to be saved. I said statistically that 100% of the people who don't know Jesus Christ as their personal savior will not spend eternity with him. And that's a, that's a bad statistic, but it's a true statistic. And we have to be uh, aware of the fact that to change that statistic, it's only us that will do that. The unsaved are not gonna go out looking for people who need Jesus Christ and then share their testimony so that they can find salvation. Only we can do that. The Apostle Paul said this, he said, shame on me if I don't share my faith. And that's the, the DDB version of, of the scripture in Corinthians. But he said, shame on me if I have the opportunity to share and I don't. He said, you know, I'm, I'm supposed to be all things to all men for the purpose of what? Drawing them into Jesus Christ for Jesus Christ to be their personal savior. But I also know this, we were born to reproduce. And that's, that's God's heart for us. Reproduction is God's heart for us. Uh, Tammy's a mother today because of the three daughters that we have, she's reproduced. Uh, we have nine grandchildren because those three did what we did and they had three. And so our family's huge. You can't. You can't buy a ham or a turkey now for our family dinner. It has to be multiple hams and multiple things. But that's God's plan. See, he's, he's always bringing more, more of an increase, more of a blessing, more of an assignment to us. When he entrusts you with a little, then he ultimately brings a lot across your path. Now, one of the things that I, I want to talk about today is my message is called Targeting. And for those of you who are football fans, you would say, Pastor, why would you talk about targeting? That's a bad, that's a bad idea. If a guy targets somebody, he gets thrown out of the game. If we don't target what we are after, then we never get what we are, are moving toward. What do I mean by that? Well, in football, they have goal lines, don't they? And you know that your job is to get the pigskin across that goal line so that you can score a point. Now, what happens because of that target? Well, because of that target, I know in high school we had a playbook that was this thick. 
And we, we determined and designed a way that we would cross that goal line more times than the other team would cross that goal line. In college, your playbook is this big because it gets more complex. Why? Because the enemy is, is more strategic. The teams you play, they're better. You take all of the good high school players and only the great ones go to college. Now, when you go to the pros, your playbook is this big because you've got the best of the very best trying to play a game that can only be accomplished by great strategy and, and great planning and that sort of thing. I love to go in our backfield now and I can set up a target on a board and my grandsons and my son-in-laws, then we can take my 22 or whatever gun I have and we can shoot and then we can tell if we're any good or not. Because if it doesn't hit the target, first of all, it scares me. And, and second of all, if it hits the target, then you have something to move to. And the best you can do is get it right in the middle. That, that's the 10. That's the sweet spot. God's looking for us as believers to move into the sweet spot of what he's called us to do. That place in ministry that he leads us to, that he provides for us. But life is a series of targets. Let me give, let me give you an example. Uh, uh, over 75% of the people uh, in America don't have a budget for their finances. And then when it comes time to do what they do with their money, they have to have that paycheck every Friday because that's how they survive. And if you would have budgeted, you, you could go a Friday without a paycheck and you'd be just fine because you've got money that you've put in reserve. And so budgeting is the target for what your future goals are going to be. You know, y'all better be saving some money for retirement because it ain't going to be like it used to be. And what the government gives you is not enough to live on. So you've got to set a target. You've got to say, in my target, I want to have X amount of dollars by the time I'm 65. And I guarantee you, if you don't set a target, you will accomplish nothing. That's just the way it is in financing. I see it all the time. So often I hear people say, wow, you know, next year we're going to go on vacation. And we're going to do this next July. And then a whole year goes by and I say to them, I said, well, man, it's August. Where did you go in July? And they say, well, it just didn't work out. Just didn't happen the way we thought. Some things came up. And what they're saying is, is I was not in control of my destiny. I did not set a clear target for what it would take to go on vacation. So when all the residual stuff came up, then we were more attracted to the residual stuff than the target, which is normal, and we just didn't make it happen. Listen, life is about accomplishing things, whether it's personal or whether it's with God, and those accomplishments show how much time we've spent setting targets for the things that we're going to do. Now, in John chapter 16, verses 13 through 15, God says something extremely great. And can we, can we put that scripture up? It says, however, everybody stand with me. Let's read this together. Everybody, you ready? However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you the things to come. 
Father, I thank you for the opportunity to bring this message today. And in my heart, Father, this message is a motivator for all of us who are believers to say that whomever is in our life that does not know Jesus Christ, that we would put them on our target. And we would prepare, Father, to do the things that need to be done, say the things that need to be said, pray the things that need to be prayed, prayed and fast for the things that matter in life. And so, Father, today I thank you for this opportunity to speak on this topic today. And I pray that it finds open hearts, Father, to receive this message and willingness to do what needs to be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's talk about, you may be seated, let's talk about what a guide is. I don't know if any of you have been to great historical places in the United States. Tammy and I, one time we went to Gettysburg and we were just floundering. We didn't know where to go, what to do. We could tell if you drove to certain places there would be certain statues and we'd stop and we'd read the little things that were on the, the plaques and everything and it was exciting and, and it provided something that uh, we were looking for. But several years later, we went back to Gettysburg and we uh, were a part of a tour that had a guide. And we went back to those exact same places that we thought we got something out of and this guide just blew us away. I mean, we were sitting there, I mean, he was talking facts from 1700 to 1900 and this nation did this and this country did this and these great folks did these things in the battle. We were blown away. And see, that's what a guide does. A guide reveals things to us and shows us things that we would never be able to see with our natural eye because that guide is specifically skilled to do the things that, uh, or lead the people in the way that they need to be led. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit allows us to get into the place to where we form our, tar our targets and then He can guide us. So many times we put a name on a list or a prayer sheet and we really have no clue what to do or we've maybe tried a hundred times to reach them in the past. But, but when the Holy Spirit becomes the one who guides and leads you, He knows everything about their life. He has the schematic for them. He knows what they think. He knows where they're going and He knows what they need. And then He comes on board and you uh, then are you're guided by the one who knows everything that you need to know. And that's why we do a target. Can I have my cornhole buddies come up here? My cornhole buddies. Here you go, Rick. Todd, come on. You, you guys are back there, Duncan, okay? Now get your little pegs, get your bags. Stay inside the line or you're outside the camera, okay? Each of you take two. Yeah, inside the line. Okay, now Rick and I are going to go first, okay? Okay, now it's you guys' turn. What the heck? <laughs> what the? Hey. This is the dumbest game. Isn't it? It's just, yeah, that's what we do. Don't invite you? 
Uh, I mean, come on, we hit, we hit him four times. I know, but that doesn't seem like I could hit him, but that doesn't seem Oh, maybe cornhole has a relevancy that we're not doing oh, yeah. here. Do you think there's a target that goes along with this well, game? I, I could make him a target. Well, the guy, he's kind of, I know, but I, know. I noticed Duncan doesn't want to be hit. He, he backs out. He, yeah, he was like, I'm backing out of here. Well, maybe it would be fun if we brought the targets in. So, okay, so let's, let's put these targets in, and maybe the game would have a different relevance to it. Okay? So, and I, I, I guess you and I are not even on the same team. Okay, you got stripe bags, I got stars bags. Okay, and I guess since we have a target now, you get to fire at the target, and then I'll fire at it. Let's see what happens. Nice. Oh. Nice. Yeah. Wow. Oh, you just knocked mine in. Thank you. And okay, so what happens when you put a target on what? You, yeah, right. It's more fun. It makes more sense. There's no sense in just throwing bean bags at each other if you're playing cornhole. I mean, what makes cornhole fun is when you put a target down and then you score points and you keep track of things and you see who wins. Amen? Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. You can, you can leave those there. So what had to happen first? First, these guys had to be available. They, they had to choose to say, yeah, I'll come up and do your little dealie here. Okay? So availability is important in everything that we do. We have to create a target, but in order to do what God is calling us to do, you got to be available. What do I mean by that? Well, there's just gotta be something in you that says, you know, today, God, I'm willing to do what you're leading me to do. And you know, people say, well, that's just so simple. Well, if it was so simple, then we would get, be getting people saved every day, okay? It's not simple. And the reason why is, is to, be, to make yourself available, it costs you something. You, to be available means that somebody might need you. And if somebody needs you, it's going to change your schedule for that day. And if you actually have to step out to do something, then something might be demanded of you. So see, if availability wasn't an important thing in the kingdom, then everybody would wake up every day and say, Lord, here I am, send me. Now, when we look at the Bible, we see availability puts you in interesting positions as well. One day, Noah woke up and God said, build a boat. And he's like, really? Build a boat. And you know Noah got ridiculed to no end about this idea of building this boat. But guess who was not ridiculing him 40 days when the rain began, amen? And when Noah was on that boat, it was because he was available. And what he did is he brought two, two animals to everybody's, his whole family. And that's what God rebuilt with. But he could only do that by being available. Some of you are in a position to minister to some of the most difficult people in the entire world. But God wants you to be available. And all of those people who laugh at you, who scorn at you, who uh, used to be just like you, those are the ones that pick you apart. Understand that aren't you glad 
that Noah said yes, and he did the things that he was called to do. Isaiah, when he was called, uh, God had a great purpose and a plan for the destiny of mankind. And Isaiah just simply said, I see it, I feel it, here am I, send me. It's as simple as that. We look at Nehemiah and his life. And the reason why I'm going through this is because the whole Bible is simply about availability. That's exactly what the whole Bible is. People who said, I'm available, God, do what you need to do through me. If, if we need a move, then we better be a part of the move, amen? Because that's what God has designed the New Testament church to be. That he no longer, Jesus is not walking on the earth, moving amongst the multitudes, doing great things, having compassion. He's now given that job to us. We are the ones that are in the midst of the multitudes, and God is looking for us to have compassion. Put up uh, Luke 1 uh, through 6 for me. Luke 1 through 6. When we think about availability we, and we look at all of the examples in the Bible, look at Esther. What did Esther say that made her availability so amazing? She said, if I'm not called before the king, then I'm a dead queen. It's just the way, just the way it worked right there. But when she looked out at her people, she saw something worth dying for. And so often, we're just so concerned about living that we've never even thought about what would we die for. We're so, we're so concerned about what makes our life better that we don't have that desire to say, what would I give this up for? And when we get to the place to where we can't decide what we would give it up for, we end up giving up for nothing. And so Esther... She said that, I see the plight of my people, and I know that I am next to the king, and if I don't do something, the plan is already hatched to destroy the, all, all the Jewish nation at that time. Now, the plan has already been hatched. The enemy wants to destroy everyone that he can and comes in his path because that's his design. He comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. And he's really good at it. Because all he does is play off the flesh of mankind. And then the, the, the people's flesh works to destroy that person from the outside in. Now, the, the reality though with Esther was is she said, I see that, I know that. And she made this statement. She said, if I perish, I perish. When she was available, she said, if I perish, I perish. But I'm going to do what needs to be done to save the people. Now listen, folks. Being evangelistic, the E word, sharing your faith, whatever you want to call it, it moves you into a place to where you have to come outside of that comfortable place that you are. And it never happens at a convenient moment. It doesn't. It just doesn't happen at a convenient moment. But if you will just wake up every day and say, Lord, I am on the clock. And, and you, you, I, I wish I could hand out a bunch of Holy Spirit time cards today. And when you get out of bed, you just punch in. You're, you're, you're on the job. You're on the job. Last Monday, Don Pritchard got up and he said, Lord, today... I want you to bring a police officer 
in line with me when I go to lunch. Don eats at Bibby Bops almost every day for lunch. And he said, I want there to be a police officer behind me so that I can buy his lunch. And so it's like, okay, that's good. And Don does his business. He's in Bibby Bops. He's in line. And lo and behold, who's the next person that opens the door and comes in a highway patrolman? And Don's like, dang, that is so good. I'm so excited. And so he's like rushing through his deal and the guy's making his order. And Donnie says, I want to pay for his as well as mine. And the highway patrolman does what they normally goes, no, dude, you don't have to do that. And Donnie said, no, dude, you don't have to do what you do. But I just want to say thank you for that. Now, so Donnie goes and sits down. He starts to eat his bibby bops. He's 30 feet from the counter. That Nobody could have just technically heard this. But one lady, an African-American lady, was sitting next to him. And she looked at Donnie and said, thank you for doing that. That was an amazing act of kindness. I noticed that, and it meant something to me. Now, you can say, why did I say an African-American lady? Why did I say a highway patrolman? Because words matter. We're living in this time where everybody's divided. Divided, 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 divided. And Donnie, through his act of kindness, he activated something. Do you realize when you make yourself available and you walk out in the heart of compassion, what happens is, is you activate something from the heart of God. And so in that restaurant, there was an activation of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit was now in charge. And so people could look beyond race and color and male and female and police and not police because it was just about being a good person. Just about being a good person. And God did something amazing. And it just, you, you say, well, that's just so simple. Really? What if, what if 100 acts of availability happened last Monday just like that? It's not a little thing. It's a big thing. And it's just because somebody said, I am available. On Tuesday, my wife woke up. And I want you to share this, babe. I know. It, I, I'm not going to do it any justice. On Tuesday, my wife woke up, and she was headed to Walmart. I was heading to Walmart, so I knew I had the kids, and I wanted to get all the candy I could give them because I'm handing them back to their mom and dad. <laughs> and I needed to get some things to, to, to feed them and stuff. And so I'm, I am a very focused person. I get in. I want to get my cart. I want to get what I want. I want to get out because I don't enjoy shopping. Well... That morning, what I sat. What a blessing! My wife doesn't like to shop. That oh, morning, baby, I love you. <laughs> you haven't seen the visa yet. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. That morning, I was sitting having my devotional, and I just I came back from the conference, and I said, God, I want to be available to whatever you have. Now, I have my I's dotted and my T's crossed. I don't like you to get in my way. I'm being honest. And I, lo and behold, I'm hurrying, so I run in and I ask this lady in the um, department who was stalking the produce department, and I said, I don't want the romaine and the three things. I want the individual romaine lettuce. And so she just points me to it, and then she just kept talking. And I, I'm getting ready to walk away, and the Lord says, no. And I stopped, and I heard the heartache of this woman. 
her mom had passed away. Her mom or her dad had passed away. A brother-in-law had passed away, and she was broken. She said, we've got family who's contesting the will, and it's this horrible fight. And I just listened to her. And then I say, can I pray with you? Now, I'm sure she's looking around because it was kind of busy in the morning. And she said, yes. And I got to pray for this woman that I did not have a plan to do. It was not my schedule. It came off the I and the T, and it was the yes, I'm available list. And that's all it was, was just being totally available. And God really ministered to her. And right then I think I forgot half the groceries because I was just so happy. <laughs> but got to make yourself available. Right there in Walmart. So on Friday, I was picking up a pizza at a new place that our neighbors directed us to. And uh, some lady comes in and grabs a menu, and I'm chatting them up because I'm setting them up, yeah, like I always do. You know, they'll know me when I come in the next time. And uh, so I go out in the parking lot, and I'm getting ready to put the pizza in the passenger side, and there's a big pickup truck right here, and the guy goes, hey, uh, we just moved here. Is, is that pizza any good? And I said, oh, man, that pizza's great. We just moved here, too. So we started chatting it up, and so I said, man, this place is great. Their sauce is sweet. And his wife goes, oh, no, he hates sweet sauce. And so I reach in and grab the pizza, take it over to his car, open it up, and say, grab a piece. Try it. See if you like it. He's like, kind of weird dude just pops a pizza in my window and offers me a piece of his pizza. So he eats this pizza, and he's like, dang, that pizza's amazing. He said, we're going to go in. It's Tabarios, by the way, in Lancaster, if you, and it is, it is delicious. So we started chatting up, and come to find out, he grew up right here at Courtright and Petzinger. Oh, wow. And they knew all about us. And, you know, I said, I'm the pastor there. And they go, no way, because I'm in a backward ball cap. I'm, I just cut my grass. I, I don't look pastorly. What does pastorly look like? I mean, come on. What does available look like? Well, those three testimonies are what available looks like. People in the kingdom doing life with other people. And that's, you, you can't do that by chucking your pizza in the car and rolling your windows up. You can't do that by hearing somebody's story at Walmart and turning their back on it. You can't do that by saying, oh, here's the policeman, ah, oh, dang it, you know, look through your wallet, I don't really have that. That's the time you get your visa card out. If you got to buy his lunch, you said, I'm going to buy his lunch. See, that's what availability looks like. See, in Luke chapter 9, verses 1 through 6, it says, Then he called his twelve disciples together, and he gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure disease. It says, he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. This was the first time. See, they had been learning up till Luke chapter 8. They had been watching. How many sermons do you think they heard from Jesus without, they didn't call them probably sermons, but how many times did Jesus teach them? And he showed them and he taught them and he showed them. And now this is what he said. He said, it's time for you to go and do it. I, I, I'm not going to be with you forever. It's time for you to go out and do what I've called you to do. You know, we've been here for 56 years. 
And I'm telling you what, you have heard some of the most amazing messages preached from this pulpit from some of the most greatest preachers, including Millie Jarvis, that have ever preached before at this pulpit. We've been to Luke chapter 8, guys. Luke chapter 9 has now got to be who we are. Okay, you, 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 we, we have to go make ourselves available. Put the, the rest of that up, verse 3. I think is where I stop. And he said to them, take nothing for the journey, neither staffs nor bag nor bread nor money, and uh, do not have two tunics apiece. Whatever house you enter, stay there from, and from there depart. Build a relationship. And whoever will not receive you when you go out of that city, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. In verse 6, so they departed, okay? the instructions, and then there was not 16 more books of the Bible. There was no space in between the instruction. So they departed, and they went through the towns preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. There's three things you need to see from that text of Scripture. One is this. When you make yourself available, you can expect power. When you make yourself available, you can expect powers over the darkness. That this is something that Jesus has made available to us because he knew that we would need that to face the things that we need to face. Second thing is this. We are expected to do business until he comes back. How do we know that? Because Luke 19 tells us that. And this is the, the whole thing about the, the minas. And, and Jesus came and he gave uh, uh, 10 minas to three different people. Okay, he gave ten bucks to ten different or to three different people, and what he said to them is, "Gina, here's ten bucks. Now do business until I return. Okay, do business until I return. Now I'm not making this stuff up because in this particular text he came back and he asked the first person. He said, "What did you do with the ten bucks I gave you?" And the guy was proud and he popped and he said, I got 10 more bucks. You, you gave me 10, I got 10 more. And he goes, wow, that's awesome. So he goes to the next guy and he says, what did you do with the 10 bucks? And he goes, well, I, I got five more. 10 bucks and here's five more. And he's like, that's excellent, great job. And then he went to the third person and he said, what did you do with my 10 bucks? And he said, I'm afraid of you. I didn't want to uh, do anything wrong, so I didn't do anything with your 10 bucks. And, and, and Jesus, in this example, was not happy. He said, how can you get 10 bucks from me, and I tell you to go do business, and you didn't do a thing? Not a thing with my 10 bucks. He wasn't happy. Listen, God has given us salvation. He's given us 10 bucks, and he's saying, do business until I return. And if there's no fruit in your life, you're, you haven't done business. These are, these are tough things for me to have to say to you, but I'm your pastor, and i got to be the one to say it. If you're not bearing fruit, then you're not doing business. And fruit in the kingdom is changed lives. Prayer when you get the opportunity. Giving when you have the chance. Sharing when you get the chance. Closing the deal when you get the chance. 
But we, we're engrafted into the vine, John chapter 15. And if you are engrafted into heaven, then fruit from heaven should come out of your life. So often we are so consumed with me, myself, and I that we couldn't see the forest for the trees. We couldn't reach down. If it was a snake, it would bite us anyway because we wouldn't even know. Listen, folks. We are called to do business until he returns. Now, some of you might say, you know, Pastor, I don't want to hear that. I want a feel-good message. You're not getting it today. Not getting it today. Today, you're getting a charge. It's time to do business for the thing. The third thing that we see in this is that we can walk in dominion to the degree that we apply what we believe. Now, what do you believe? See, I believe God heals HIV. So I had no choice today but to apply what I believe when we had the opportunity to pray. I've seen God heal AIDS. So I'm ruined. Ruined. Completely ruined. I've seen God heal breast cancer. I've seen God open blind eyes. I've seen God restore busted up legs. I'm ruined. So when you get the opportunity, you got to walk in the dominion to the degree that we believe. What degree do you believe? Well, I believe that God can do exceptional and extraordinary things. But sometimes it costs us something. I ain't going to make it to the feeding of 5,000 today. I already know that. Listen, there was a great evangelist in the late 1800s. His name was C.T. Studd. And this guy right here was the best cricket player in all of the world. Not just England, all of the world. But one day something happened to him. He encountered a nerd. I'm just, these are their words, not mine. He encountered one of those five-foot preachers that probably didn't weigh 120 pounds. And he and his brothers took him on a bike ride and rode him off. They, they blew past him and left him lost. And then this guy came back and singled them out one by one because he was staying at their house. And one by one, they got saved. They got saved. They got saved. And what ended up happening was this C.T. Studd had to come to a place to where he had to make a choice. He either had to say, I'm going to be available for me, or I'm going to be available for the kingdom. And thank God that he said, I'm going to be available to the kingdom. Now, here's what's interesting about this. He just didn't become available. He gave it all to, to the kingdom. He ministered in China. When, before the Boxer uh, Revolution came, and in 1900, they murdered so many believers. Just, I mean, outright, just cleaned the country out of Christians. He was ministering in before that time. And how many people got saved in the darkest and 
uh, uh, most spiritually deprived places of China before that revolution came and they could say they're in heaven now because C.T. Studd gave it all up to do what he did. He ministered in India in the exact same way. If you've never been to India, trust me, right now it is the most difficult place in the world to minister. Christians are being killed all the time today. But he said, that's the place I need to be. I'm making myself available. When C.T. Studd was 25, his father was leaving them a fortune. He and his brothers. It was something like 29,000 pounds in 1870-something. And that amount of money was somewhere between three and four million dollars. Well, he read scriptures that said, how can a rich man enter the kingdom of God? He read scripture that when Jesus went to the rich young ruler, he said to him, go give up your riches and come and follow me. And the guy couldn't do it. And he said, that's never going to be me. And so at 25, a letter came to India that's saying, your father has released your inheritance. Here's your 29,000 pounds. What do you want to do with it? He pinned off a letter because the person that led him to Christ or led his father to Christ was D.L. Moody. How many of you have heard of Moody Bible Institute? You have no idea how that started, do you? Maybe you do. Here's how, here's how Moody Bible Institute started. One of the people that he gave 5,000 pounds to was D.L. Moody. And he said, I might not be able to travel to India to do the things that you're requesting for me to do, but I'm going to go back and start a Bible institute that is going to send thousands of people around the world. First 5,000 pounds he sowed into was to D.L. Moody. He sowed 5,000 into Salvation Army at that time, 5,000 into another, 5,000 into another, five $1,000 gifts into ministry. He wrote that all out, and he had to have it notarized by somebody in the, in, in the English embassy. He brought the paper, and the guy said, no way am I going to do that. There is no way I can allow you to give away 29,000 pounds. You need to take two weeks and go away. He couldn't send this back to the bank without a notary stamp. The guy wouldn't do it. Why? Because if you went before a banker today and had $4 million and you had it all written out how you were going to give it away, he would think you were crazy. That guy thought he was crazy. But no, actually he was available. And if available makes you crazy, then put me in a straitjacket. So two weeks later he came back with the letter and he said, this is where I want it all to go. And he said, okay, there's nothing I can do about it. Boom. He transacted it. Hundreds and thousands of people got saved. And see, this, this is like a movie. If you think Lord of the Rings is exciting, if they made a movie on C.T. Studd's life, you'd be blown away. It's all about being available. That's, that's simply all it is. Would you stand with me? It's just all about being available. Next week, we're going to get through the other. Maddie, just run, run these through quick. This is where we're headed next week. When, when you're setting a target to minister, first, you have to be available. Second, you've got to find compassion. 
for the things that God's calling you to do. Third, you have to develop determination. None of this is easy, but when you start doing it, it's incredible. The, the next thing you have to do is you got to take action. You have to have a plan of action. No plan of action, nothing gets accomplished. No boards, then there's no cornhole. Okay? And then why, who's the center of the target? Jesus. And that's what we're trying to do. We're making ourselves available through compassion and determination. As we take action, we lead people to Jesus. And we're going to talk about those other points next week. Today, I just want to worship before we go. I just want to challenge you in the midst of this. And, I, and I'm going to ask you to, to, to do something, okay? I'm going to ask you, how many of you, don't raise your hand, how many of you would say, Pastor, I want to be available? I want to be available, okay? Look at you, man, you're itching to raise your hands even though I said don't raise your hands. I mean, that's good. I love that. But this is what I want you to do. If you say, Pastor, I want to be available for the things of God, I want you to move. Right now, I want you just to move to the, the altar. If that's you. If it's not you, do not move. Because I'm going to pray something that's going to be challenging. Okay, I'm just warning you. There's the, may, read the small print before you come. Okay, I just... Now, this is, this is what I want you to do while you're worshiping. I want you to do nothing, but just lift your hands and just worship the Lord. And I'm going to ask him to just begin to move upon your hearts to clear out those things that are keeping you from being available. I'm going to ask him to put away embarrassment. You know, what if? I'm going to ask him to put away what if. What if it doesn't work? What if I pray and they don't get healed? What if I witness and they don't get saved? What if, what if, la, 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 baloney. I'm going to get rid of the what if baloney, okay? And we're just going to say when we leave this altar, I'm going to pray that something's going to happen to you next week. And you're going to get an opportunity, like a Donnie opportunity, like a Tammy opportunity, like a Dwight opportunity, and like some of you had this week too and you just didn't get a chance to share. So let's just worship the Lord for a moment and then let's pray.